You are listening to Defunct Games Presents Cyril Reed's Bionic Commando. Previously on Cyril Reed's Bionic Commando. After successfully defeating the evil Nas organization, Jack Markson and his partner, Super Joe, were ready to celebrate their victory. Generalissimo Kilt and his bad terrorist organization had other ideas. Using ninjas and snipers, Kilt ruined their day and kidnapped Super Joe. Thankfully, Jack was able to escape, but not before suffering some major injuries to his arm. The Federation may have been able to save Jack, but they were forced to remove his arm and attach a plastic bionic arm that will help him in his quest to defeat Kilt and rescue Super Joe. Already, Jack has been able to complete his first mission, which involved getting captured, making narrow escape, and then battling a bunch of Air Force jets with his trusty helicopter. Now he's found himself underwater fighting an octopus. Will this be the end of Jack or just the beginning of an eight-legged friendship? Find out now when you listen to another exciting episode of Cyril Reed's Bionic Commando. Chapter 10 Before Jack could move, the octopus swept its huge tentacles down in a stranglehold around his body. Jack squirmed in a slimy grip, wondering how long he could last without oxygen. He had to press his mouth shut to keep from screaming as the creature hugged him in a tighter grip. Jack knew he had to keep his bionic arm free. As the octopus wrapped its tentacles around it, Jack jerked the arm back, ripping the tentacle out of the monster's body. One down, seven to go. The octopus twisted in pain, then snaked its other tentacles around Jack like a boa constrictor. Jack knew he didn't have long to survive. If he didn't get air soon, the octopus would have him for lunch, and then the vultures could just finish off the rest for dessert. He struggled to find the coral grotto through the murky water. It was his only chance. He shot out the grappling hook and hoped it would hit its target. Jack felt the hook snap onto the piece of coral and hold. He started to reel the line in that attached him to the hook. He moved one, two, three, four feet towards the grotto. Then he came to a sudden stop. The octopus wouldn't let go. Jack felt like a piece of rubber being pulled apart in a tug-of-war. He didn't know what would go first, his lungs or his arms. Accidentally, Jack squeezed the button for the grappling hook again. To his amazement, a second hook shot out and clamped onto the other side of the coral grotto. He had a spare! The captain had forgotten to tell him about it. Jack started to reel both lines in at the same time. Suddenly, he flew out of the octopus's tentacles like a stone out of a slingshot. His body shot through the grotto into the waterproof chamber closed off from the sea. He lay on the floor, breathing in huge glumps of air into his tortured lungs. That had been close. Jack squeezed his eyes shut from the pain in his chest. The pain reminded him of a mission he and Joe had been on in Thailand. They had followed a group of drug czars to a dock on the South China Sea. Five thugs who worked for the czars had caught them, snooping, and knocked them into the water. He and Joe had to stay underwater and swim for the shore undetected. Afterwards, 
the pain had felt just like this. An image of Joe in Kilt's torture room flashed into Jack's mind. It had made him sick to think what Joe might be going through right now. He had to move on with his mission. Jack pulled his tired body up and surveyed the narrow underground passage that led from the chamber. A flickering blue-green light shone on the walls, making them look like a set of horror movies. The surface of the walls was covered by an orange algae that Jack hoped he wouldn't have to touch. After walking a few feet into the passageway, Jack suddenly jerked to a quick stop. Ahead of him lay a yawning pit filled with sharp spikes. Another one of Kilt's obstacle courses. Jack looked in disgust as the globs of green slime were glistened on the top of the spikes. Scunge! The Federation had identified this as the most deadly poison an agent would ever face. Farther down the passageway, he would see four more of these pits. Jack was tired of playing hopscotch over pits, especially pits filled with scunge. He had decided to try the next approach, in which he would take two grappling hooks. Shooting one hook out and then the other, he swung like Tarzan across the ceiling. Jack pretended that the pits were the jaws of crocodiles waiting to catch him if he made a slip. When he got to the end, Jack felt like giving an ape call, but he stopped himself. This place was a jungle, all right, and it didn't want to make it natives restless. Jack ran down the hallway to the communication room. He pulled out the gun and set it to stun before opening the door. There hadn't been any sign of kilt soldiers yet, unless you counted the octopus. Were they waiting for him somewhere with a surprise party? Or had he just slipped by undetected through the underwater grotto? The communication room was empty, except for a bank of flickering monitors and the control panel. Jack scanned the room for bugs and hidden cameras. Then he activated the electronic field scrambler on his bionic arm, just to make sure the bads didn't pick up his signal. After hooking up the red communicator to the monitor, he took a chance. He made an all-call to Federation agents in the area, broadcasting a signal for help to anyone that might be listening. I read you, Jack! A voice came over the communicator. Jack stared at the monitor in surprise. The face to look back at him had belonged to the one and only Hal Hamilton. Hal had been his master teacher at the Federation Spy School. For a minute, Jack was too stunned to respond. Hal was Federation's top spy master. Five times he had been decorated for running operations that saved the free world from enemy domination. Jack took a deep breath and flicked his send button. What are my orders, sir? <laughs> you, you needn't call me, Sir Jack. We're in this together. Listen carefully to what I, I'm going to tell you. Super Joe has been moved to another area of the enemy compound. Before moving on, you must find a weapon called the Wide Gun in this building. It's similar to the RDFF. That, that that we use in training. You, you can you can cover an entire room with a with a stun bullet. 
Uh, you'll find it. It, it comes in handy in these missions like this. Do you know where its location is, sir? Jack asked. Oh, no, 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 Jack. That, that's, that's part of the job in this stage. I'm on my way, Jack said. Over and out. Jack, wait! Hal broke in. Oh, check, check your eavesdrop mode before you, you leave this room. Will do, Hal, Jack said. I'll contact you later. Jack didn't want to take the time to check eavesdrop, but he knew Hal must be right. He flicked the communicator into eavesdrop mode, stealing his nerves for the sound of Kilt's voice. The monitor flickered for a few seconds, then Kilt came on the screen. Jack studied the bloated face with disgust. Kilt's red lips were curled in their usual sneer. His blue eyes cut through Jack like chips of ice. I'm tired of these stupid delays, Kilt screamed. Albatross should be finished weeks ago. You told me that the skill to complete the connections. Perhaps you lied to me. Perhaps you are nothing but a Federation double agent sent to sabotage my place to take over the world. Jack watched as Kilt's face turned purple with rage. It faded from the monitor as another phase took its place. Jack controlled his urge to spit at the sickening, familiar face. It was the hand. Jack's mind flipped back to the hundreds of briefs he had read about this diabolical friend. The hand had served as a deputy of a string of mad dictators all over the world. He always sold his services to the highest bidder, no matter what evil was involved. The hand seemed happy for a second-place position, feeding his master's frenzy for power. And no matter how many times the Federation broke up the conspiracy, the hand never got caught. He always stayed one step ahead of them. Now he was here with Kilt. Jack vowed that this time the hand wouldn't escape. Kilt, you must learn to, 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 to trust me, the hand said in an oily voice. I, 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 I have a plan to, to, to finish this albatross off, and, 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 and I will succeed. There is only one thing that m -m 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 might stop us. The, 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 the Federation has sent its agent, J Jack Markson, to, to rescue Super Joe. He must dispose of, 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 of Super Joe before Markson finds him. Let me let me kill Super Joe right now, Master. Why, why, why should we wait any longer? Kilt's face came back on, contorted with mad laughter. Jack felt the smashing the monitor with his bionic arm. You underestimate me, Hand? Kilt said, the spy Markson has no chance against my soldiers, and I have special plans for taking care of Super Joe. A quick death is too good for him. To be continued. And now, an open letter to J.B. Stamper, author of Bionic Commando. 
Hello, JB Stamper, or Judith Bauer Stamper, as you're known in the hood. Before we jump into this week's episode, I'm being forced to read a statement from past the people against stuttering stereotypes. Apparently, uh, they've taken offense to some of the characters found in this book, and uh, they want me to read this brief statement, so here we go. Defunct Games does not condone what some consider to be insulting portrayals of somebody suffering from a stutter. The original book says nothing about a stutter, and it was an acting decision that host Cyril Lachelle came up with on his own. Cyril has been reprimanded and has been warned not to do it again. On top of that, we would like to apologize to the listeners for hiring Cyril Lachelle in the first place. His unprofessionalism is not only heard on this podcast, but it also involves other antics that happen here around the office. We hope for the sake of Cyril that he gets the help that he needs, and you know what? Screw them. I'm not going to read this. Yeah, this is stupid. I mean, you show an interest in bestiality porn, and, and suddenly you're deemed a pervert or a nuisance or something. Besides, I'm sure Judith, if that's your real name, doesn't want me to apologize for giving her character some, well, character. It's, it's not like the book she wrote was, was good enough to feature any characters with emotion or anything. I mean, why not, why not add a little levity by... Actually, you don't know forget about it. I'm, I'm just digging myself into a hole here. Let's just, let's just move on with this thing. So, uh, a lot of exciting things happened in this episode, but before we get into it, I, I want to bring up something that, uh, something that happened last week on, on last episode. Uh, ever since I posted the last podcast... Uh, I've had a, I've just been inundated with a bunch of people who wanted to know something about that helicopter versus uh, fighter jet battle. Um, and you know what? They're right. It, it, it really ma- it makes no sense. You mean to tell me that a helicopter can outmaneuver a fighter jet? I mean, a helicopter? And, and, and not just outmaneuver them, but he actually took a few of them down without even firing a bullet. Are, are you fucking kidding me? If that's the caliber of bad guys we're dealing with, then how the hell did Super Joe even get captured in the first place? And, you know, while we're at it, why haven't they killed him yet? I, the, the hand mentioned it, so clearly it's on somebody's mind. But there's no reason to keep him alive. It, it, it makes no sense. It's not like Jack is going to know and, and give up as soon as Super Joe is killed. Hell, he won't even know about it. Super Joe is off in some, some private cell far away from everybody else. And, you know, they can kill him, and, and, and our hero will continue to think he's still alive. What the hell? Just just kill the guy already. This isn't a Bond movie. This is real life. Okay, well, okay, maybe it's not real life. But it's it's as real life as, as a helicopter battling a bunch of fighter jets. No, never mind. Anyway, my, my time is up, so uh, I'm just going to get started on next week's episode, I guess. Uh, you know, thanks for wrapping up that, that whole terrible octopus fight. I can't wait to see what else you come up with next week. Until then, yours truly, Cyril Lachelle.